Welcome to the Writing Block Podcast, where we talk all things writing and indie publishing. Have you ever thought about crowdfunding a novel? Writing Block's own crowdfunding champions, Carrie Adubiel, Becca Spence Tobias, and Jackie Castle, talk to guest author Jason Stokes about the process the good, the bad, and everything in between, covering platforms such as Kickstarter, Indiegogo, and Inkshares. For more information, visit writingblock.com. Thank you for listening and for all of your support. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Writing Block Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about crowdfunding. So should we just take a minute and all introduce ourselves and our projects? And then we could maybe do a round robin talking about um, a brief overview of our experience with crowdfunding and then get into some more specifics. Uh, Jason, why don't, why don't you go first? I'm Jason uh, Stokes. Um, I have too many projects at one time to talk about, but... Um... Uh, talk about my new one is Ghost Story. So it is a uh, paranormal road trip. So something that's a little bit different than I've ever seen before. And it will be entering the awkwardness that is crowdfunding in the next month, I think. All right. How about you, Carrie? So I crowdfunded my novel, How to Remember. Right now it is in its third draft. It was funded in late, no, not late. I started in late 2017 and I finished crowdfunding it in 2018. So we're just kind of going through the publishing process at this point, but the actual soliciting of money is done. All right, Becca. Uh, my name is Becca Spence Tobias. I am the project manager at Writing Block and the author of Rock of Ages, which I crowdfunded with Inkshares in 650 days in early 2018. Carrie and I were actually crowdfunding right at the same time, so we got to cheer each other on, which was very encouraging. Um, I got 750 pre-orders, and I, well, I, I was going to say I don't know how I did it, but I guess I do have a good idea, and that's what I'm going to talk about. <laughs> but I don't think I would do it again, but I'm here to cheer on anybody who decides to take it on. I'm Jackie Castle. Uh, I crowdfunded my novel, The Seclusion. Gosh, I'm trying to even remember what year it was when that campaign happened. I think it was 2017, maybe? Um, and, and that took about five months to get to 750. And the book came out last September, and now I'm doing it again because no one stopped me. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm crowdfunding the sequel right now, and we'll, yeah, I'm excited to, to chat about it. Um, so, Jason, you crowdfund other authors' work, I saw. Tell us a little bit about um, that. Yeah, so <clears throat> we just, uh, I don't know how many people know, but we I started an imprint as part of my publishing journey, um, which was originally intended just to maintain control of my own work, but it has blossomed uh, way beyond my wildest dreams. So now we're taking on other authors. So when I did my... Last project, um, I crowdfunded that one, and it did pretty well. Um, my target was perhaps a little high, but when we did make a thousand dollars in thirty days, uh, which isn't that bad uh, when you look at it. Uh, so I thought I would incorporate that into the new authors that we get. So Don Hosmer is um, she wrote bits and pieces. Uh, she is the first one to take on this challenge with us. So we're trying it together to see if it's going to work. Uh, she is currently funding and off to a pretty good start. 
actually. So we may make that a consistent part of our pre-order. Rather than doing the standard pre-orders, we'll do it more as a, a crowdfund with some extra bonuses thrown in just to keep it interesting. Nice. So the book is already pretty much ready to go and then you'll crowdfund before it's released. Is that right? Or what do you think? What She's doing like? her final pass on edits. Um, so we okay. we have the book, you know, we've already read it and approved it and everything looks good. And we're just doing grammatical stuff at this point, uh, doing the final cleanup. So we got the cover done. Uh, we got the book ready. It'll actually by Monday, it should be ready to start formatting. So about 30 days out from launch, uh, we'll launch the the crowdfund as well, so that the the published date and the end of the the crowdfund campaign will hit on the same time, on the same day. It makes it, it's kind of neat for us, cleaner that way <laughs> to keep track of everything, and it makes it quick for people to get their um, their books as soon as the thing, as soon as it's over. We're pretty much mailing them out immediately, so it's not a whole lot of delay there. Right. That's great. Cause I know with, with, uh, Becca and, and Carrie and I, who all kind of went through the same process with the same company that there's, there is a delay. So you have people that are kind of waiting sometimes a year or more, um, for their books. And so that, that process looks a little bit different. I actually have a question for Jason. I think it's so cool that you have your own imprint. So what platform are you using to crowdfund your books and what made you decide to add that into your imprint rather than just going ahead? Um, we're using Indiegogo, uh, and I chose that uh, over Kickstarter on purpose. Well, I mean, one has the name recognition, but they have a flexible funding um, setup. So you don't have to reach your goal to receive your funding. I think that's really important because, I mean, you don't know. You don't know what goal you're going to reach. But the idea behind it was... In talking with a lot of authors that um, are prospective clients, one of the consistent things that I came up with was hearing was the the royalty rates and the lack of any kind of income coming from their writing. And I said, well, if we do this up front, if we get all your pre-orders and we don't have to go through the Amazon 90-day incarceration period, um, you can get a little bit up front. So it's 15 days from the time that the crowdfunding until the money is sent to the bank. So conceivably within two months from when you start, you're already starting to see a little bit of income from your, from your book. And that's just nice. As a writer, I like to get paid. I have bills too. So it seemed like it was a good idea for everybody. I like it. That's really cool. I know that Becca wanted to talk a little bit about what crowdfunding is for those who might not know so Indiegogo being a platform where anybody can just put a project up. So folks who crowdfund through Indiegogo or Kickstarter have a little bit more control over what they're, you know, what they're doing with the money. Whereas the rest of us worked through Inkshares. And in that case, you're putting the project up on Inkshares site and then you're friends and family and such mm -hmm. can put in pre-orders. There's also Unbound, which I think is a little more UK or it is UK based. Um, and it's a little bit more flexible than Inkshares from my understanding. And it's also based on a dollar amount. So I think you're trying to raise $4,500 in 90 days for your book, but it's also very, it's book specific. So there are a few options for crowdfunding if you're interested in that as a, as a publishing route. 
Um, but maybe we could talk about why. So Jason, you mentioned that money is one reason, like getting paid faster is one reason that people might want to, might want to pursue crowdfunding for their book, but maybe we could talk about why crowdfunding versus seeking traditional publishing or indie publishing, self-publishing. Yeah, I can talk about a little bit about why I picked it. Um, I think that, you know, right now the market is incredibly saturated. And I, I know that a lot of us maybe have before we went this route, maybe spent some time querying or pitching traditionally. And it really is just kind of hard to rise to the top of a pile of manuscripts uh, if you want to be published traditionally. And so I think that I saw Inkshares as a way to just kind of get my name out there on a first book. Um, I, I felt comfortable with the marketing of it. And so I kind of knew that if I if I put enough work into it, if I reached that goal, that, that it would then, um, you know, I would end up with a book at the end. And then maybe would put myself in a different position when I was pitching other books to agents in the future. Um, and I also liked that in... Um, instead of self-publishing, that I would then have the help that I needed to go through the developmental editing process and the copy editing process because I'd never written fiction before. This was my first novel. And so I didn't feel confident to go through that entire process myself. And so I liked the ink shares model where, you know, you crowdfund, but then as soon as you reach your goal, you have professionals that help you carry your book the rest of the way. And I thought that was important for me in my first book uh, to make sure that it was as as good as I thought it could be um, without having to take on all of the editing and the marketing myself. So that's why, why I chose to do that. Um, how about you and Carrie and Becca? Um, so a lot of similar reasons. I think I also, I knew that there was an audience for my book, uh, but I didn't think that anybody else would believe me. So I really liked the idea of being able to just prove it. And crowdfunding mm -hmm. was a good way to do that instead of having to prove it and then get your audience or having to get somebody to believe you. And then, and then you get your publishing deal. You, you get to prove it first. Right. I can talk a little bit about my choice as well. So I've been writing for a really long time. I have a lot of contacts in the industry. So I thought that by putting it out there and harnessing some of those contacts, I might be able to get people to buy it and blurb it, people who have kind of been cheerleading me this whole time could kind of put their money where their mouth is, so to speak. And people did do that. So that was really exciting. It was way harder than I thought it would be. So we can talk about that too. But one of the cool things that happened to me was that I didn't sell the 750 copies, but I kind of got promoted to uh more editing from Inkshares. I made the Quill level, which at the time was you only got guaranteed a copy edit and then you had to provide your own cover and such. But I've been very lucky to be bolstered by the folks at Inkshares and they've said that my work is good. So in some ways, I guess a gatekeeper was involved and I'm happy about that at least that they like my writing and that they think it's a good, you know, it's, it's going to be out there with full distribution. And I'm now on my third edit. <laughs> I think another reason to pursue it is there's something about the psychology of a crowdfunding campaign that gets people to buy your book who wouldn't otherwise. So my personal contacts who if I just wrote a book and was like, Oh, here's something I wrote. You can buy it if you want to wouldn't be that interested. But uh, when I was engaging people from my hometown and was like, 
I need your support to make this a book, then it got people excited. Um, Actually, there is is something that came up during my first round that I discovered um, is that people want to be part of something. And whereas I put out pre-orders when I did Watcher, my my first novel, I put out pre-orders and I got a handful that was people I knew people that were family and they're like, it's your first book and everybody's going to be really supportive there, hopefully. Uh, and a lot of people pick that up. But on the second one, it's a lot harder to convince people that there's novelty, no pun intended, uh, in another book, especially as quick as it came out. It was only a few months. But I started offering things that got them involved with the project itself, including writing a few people for a large amount of money into a future novel. And they love that. And I remembered backing things and remembering that when I was on Kickstarter or Indiegogo, I wanted the feeling of being involved. Like they feel like that maybe they didn't write a book, but they did have something to do with making one happen. And that, that's just a good feeling for anybody, I think. So what did that process look like for you, Jason, just when reaching out to people? Can you kind of walk us through what you did or how you started? Uh well, it was a lot of, hey, have you seen my crowdfund? And like uh, put putting people on the spot. I, I try not to be aggressive about it. Um, but uh, one example was a Kickstarter when you back something, if you have friends that are also on there, uh, like Facebook friends or whatever, it will send them an email and let them know what you're contributing to, which I never thought about until I saw somebody I'd, I haven't spoke to in years. We used to be roommates. But it said that he had just backed two projects. So I pulled him up on Messenger and I'm like, hey, um, can't help but notice you're into crowdfunding. Have you seen my book? And it, it worked, actually. He's like, no, I had no idea, but you caught me. <laughs> I did just spend a ton of money on Kickstarter. Um, I'll be happy to, to contribute to your book. And it's been a lot of that. It's just um, picking people out. A friend of mine just had a baby and I was like, hey, I'm writing people into my book. And he's like, will you write my daughter, my newborn into it? And I was like, I'll write both of you into it. And he's like, sold. And he went over and got one of the highest tiers immediately just to have that. So it was just opportunities, just recognizing how to present it to people so that they would it would be interesting based on whatever was going on in their lives at the time. Yeah, that process you're saying you went through, I did that with every single person I've ever met. I'm not I'm seriously not exaggerating. <laughs> this is not an exaggeration. Every single person on my Facebook list I sent a message to. If they didn't respond or they said maybe later, I followed up with them a couple of days later or whenever they told me to. Like if they said I get paid mm-hmm. on Friday, I messaged that I put a <laughs> I put a note in my calendar and I messaged them on Friday. Um I found people on LinkedIn that went to my college and majored in the same thing that I did. And I sent the messages. <laughs> uh, I asked the receptionist at my kid's dentist office. It was, I mean, seriously, everybody I talked to for 60 days or everybody I that's, had that's ever been in touch with, I just <laughs> had to learn to have no shame. And I think you're surprised too, because I think that, you know, what I found, and a lot of mine was through Twitter, um, I'm not a huge Facebook user, and then again, talking to every person I've ever met, just like Becca, um, is that a lot of people who would maybe be bothered by a message like that just won't even read it, and that usually, you know, the reactions that I would get would either be positive, oh, thanks for letting me know, you know, and sometimes people would be annoyed, but for the most part, people just ignore things that they're not interested in uh, 
you know, in checking out. So I think when when people did, you know, speak about it, that it was it was overwhelmingly positive and people are are happy to support and you would find those um you know, you'd have a long day where you feel like you weren't getting anywhere and you'd, you know, you'd reached out to so many people and, and, and nobody was, re- nobody was responding. And then suddenly you'd have a complete stranger, you know, purchase one of the largest tiers and it would kind of renew your motivation. And um, I found that always kind of happened when I was feeling, <laughs> feeling like throwing my hands up in the air and giving up is that there'd always be someone that would kind of, um, you know, push me to keep going based on their reaction to the project. It was amazing. The people who I don't want to say come out of the would come out of the woodwork, but basically that like people I had not spoken to in literally two decades would buy six copies of my book. Uh huh. That's the same sort of experience that I had too. I I'm thinking of a question that we should ask. And what is the weirdest thing that happened while you were crowdfunding your book? I got a couple of weird ones, but. I want to hear what you all have to say. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, let's hear yours. <laughs> <laughs> so my weirdest was there was someone in my email book that I didn't know, but I assumed that she was in there because she was interested in my book or she was a contact, like a personal contact from sisters in crime or something. And I was just emailing everybody, you know, kind of routinely. Well, she thought I stole her novel idea. <laughs> and she emailed Adam, the CEO, and was like, "You, this woman stole my book. She's, she's a liar. She's a thief. Never contact me again. I will be contacting the police. She sent me like four or five different emails like this. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I will never contact you again. Like I didn't even write her back. I was so scared. So it was just funny. Like the first time Adam called me, he's like, so you stole this book. I'm like, no, I swear I did. There were some other weird things. Like I have a good friend from high school, Judd, who basically made this campaign like finish at, going leading up to 250 he has a really big network tons of people and he's a really great guy so a lot of people love him and he all he did was share it and i got like 30 pre-orders from that and i'm going man i wish people liked me that much to just buy it all one day but i know right (laughs) But then every time he asks me, so when is it coming out? Then I feel bad. I'm like, it's coming, I swear. Well, and I think that, you know, I've had a lot of people and I, with the first one, I tried to really kind of give the behind the scenes, um, you know, production updates just to let people know what was going on instead of just, you know, where's my book? And and some people were really fascinated because I think like we've all learned that so much more goes into making a book than we ever realized. Um and so to just kind of blatantly talk about that with people, I think they that they find that fascinating as well, because um, I had no idea before I wrote my own book and, and went through the editing process that everything I'd ever read took this long and went through this many steps. And um, so it's really eye opening. At the same time, I think my updates kind of read like I'm editing. I'm still editing. Yep. A year later, I'm still editing. <laughs> I promise I'm working on it. 
Yeah, I, I knew that mm -hmm. traditional publishing took a long time. And really, if you're doing it right, indie publishing takes a long time too. Because if you write something and you just kind of put it out there with no editing, it's not going to be that good. Yeah. So, yeah, I can't think of any weird stories, Carrie. Maybe I've blocked some of that out. I think maybe the weirdest part for me was finding like the weird mind space that I got into when I was in the middle of the campaign. Like mm -hmm. I started, maybe this isn't good to talk about, but I started kind of feeling entitled to pre-orders. Like I know you, why aren't you ordering my book? Everybody else is ordering it. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to say this so I don't sound like an asshole, but um, it's like, it's $10 and I wrote a book and that one time I like supported your kids jump rope for heart campaign or whatever. And so I would find myself feeling kind of mean about it. And I had to kind of talk myself down. And the weird thing was maybe like a year later, just a couple months ago, I found a message that I had sent to one of the people who didn't end up ordering. And I remember at the time being really annoyed to her, annoyed at her and feeling like she was like being kind of snotty and dismissive of me. And I read her message and it was the nicest rejection message that she could have possibly written. It was like, <laughs> I'm pregnant and I like don't have a lot of extra funds right now. And I don't really have time to read, but I really support the work you're doing to birth your creative project. And then she put a heart and I was like, <laughs> I read this as rude. <laughs> what, like what weird mind space was I in? And I think it's like actually a weird, like a dopamine addiction almost. Like every time you get a pre-order, you get a hit of dopamine and you just, you start to need it and you start to need more and more as you get closer to your goal to get that same kind of feeling. So when people aren't giving it to you, you feel angry at them. And so that was probably the most bizarre part of my experience. That's good self-reflection. definitely agree with that. I remember being so jealous of you, Becca, because you were getting all those pre-orders and I was working my butt off and I was not getting anywhere near. And I remember we were like, wouldn't it be so cool if you got full ink shares? And I did anyway. And then I felt <laughs> no. guilty. It was like, she worked her butt off to get all those pre-orders. It's just yeah, the mental you, you gymnastics. You what, like a week before me? And I that week felt so long. I was jealous of you for being done for like a week. I was like, she can sleep now. She doesn't have to spend her whole day messaging people. That is true. I remember being like so happy when I was done. I was like, why did I put myself through this? Like what, what seriously compelled me to put myself through this? But I'm glad I did, but I'm not sure if I would do it again either. I, I'm struggling with that right now because I have a second book. I'm querying it and I'm having a hard time finding any, anyone to bite. And I'm going, I don't want to do this again. But at the same time, maybe I would do it again via Indiegogo now, knowing what I know about other possibilities and platforms. I think it's hard to keep perspective. I would find myself having to just have talks with myself because you get this tunnel vision about this giant number that you're supposed to be reaching. And then when you step back and you're like, I just, you know, 200 people just bought a book that's not even out yet, you know, by an unknown author. 
And they did that for me. And it's really hard when you have this goal that's so far away and you're like, I'm not there yet to step back and be like, I just made this happen. And I think that's the hard thing with, you know, um, the Inkshares model is it really is it's a huge achievement to get 200 people to order your book, but unfortunately it's not enough. And so you just have to keep, you know, going, going through the motions until you get there. And I'm finding a little bit with this second one, like Jason said, where it's like the novelty has worn off a little bit. They're like, okay, you already have a career. Why am I giving you $10 again? So So I'm having to find, I'm having to find more creative ways to, to, to you're totally right that you have to look at like the, what you have done and I I wasn't a jerk the entire time I would vacillate between this entitled annoyed feeling and just this immense gratitude oh yeah and oh I resonated with everything you said yeah I resonated with all of that and I would more be in that headspace and then have to remind myself and then I would just feel this like immense (laughs) gratitude for the support from people I barely knew or hadn't talked to in forever so it was just this emotional roller coaster of going back and forth between those extreme feelings about all of these people um, so, th- so I actually listened to the crowdfunding episode of the bestseller project podcast, I think it's called. And they were talking about how the, it was the crowdfunding director at Unbound. And he talked about how the first time you're selling, the first time you run a campaign, you are getting people to support an author. And the second time you're getting people to support a book. So I thought that was an interesting, an interesting take on doing a second crowdfunding campaign, but I still don't. I still don't think I'd be up for it. Yeah. And I think it would have been very different if I was doing, and maybe not, you know, hearing Jason speak, but the sequel is a very different beast because even though I'm trying to include like the content of the first book for people that maybe don't, you know, haven't read the first one. So I'm offering like a free, you know, ebook, you know, people just don't even read that part of the message. And so I'll get messages that are like, I just ordered it on Amazon. I'm like, no, wait, (laughs) I need you to support the second one. Um, and so that's interesting. I was just going to say it is pretty cool that you have a first book that you can offer them. Like they actually get something when they buy right, it. Right. Yeah. And I think if I was to do even a first book again or talk to anyone about it, it would be just come up with something you can give people for free, whether it be a short story or anything like that. Yeah. Maybe we could share some of some of the things that worked as far as content we gave or perks for our supporters. So for me, I played I played requests on the ukulele, people like that. And I wrote flash fiction starring people as characters. Those were probably my most successful. Oh, also I did like matching donations to organizations that had to do with content of the book. I did that too. Which one, Carrie? <laughs> the, I did not play songs on the ukulele. Um, I suppose I could have played songs on the bassoon, but I didn't think of that. Um, no, I I did donation campaigns and mm-hmm. that worked out. Yeah, I did donations with the first book and I'm doing it with the second. Um, I did bookmarks, you know, that people got mailed to them as soon as it was over. Um, and that, you know, I, I can't say whether or not that helped. Um, I This time I, I am doing pictures, thank you pictures from my cat, which people that seem works. to be into. <laughs> So I'm literally putting a sign that says thank you and the person's name next to my cat and taking a picture. And and some people have been really into that. Well, I think that's a good point is that people (laughs) really like to be thanked publicly. And I think that that goes along with what Jason was saying is that Mm -hmm. you want people to feel like they're a part of it and they want their support acknowledged. So even just posting and tagging people on Facebook or Twitter um, or whatever. Actually, 
Well, that one by far was um, the best. Uh, aside from that, this last story, this new novel, Ghost Story, was actually based on actual events. So what I did was wrote a novella that tells the true story that actually happened and included that with every every purchase gets that. Everybody who orders gets that. Um, and I think that, that really kind of piques some interest because people are like, I want to know the the real story. I'm like, well, if you buy the novel, I'll tell you the real story. And so it kind of goes along with it. And it's a little addition, a little um, add-on, but it gives them a little uh, insight into how it came about and makes it just a little creepier once you know the, the true story behind everything else. Mm-hmm. All right. So what, is, what has everyone found to be the most challenging part of crowdfunding? Maybe something we haven't discussed yet. And just how all-consuming it is. Like, I did not think about anything else for those two months. I woke up thinking about what I was going to do that day and how many pre-orders I wanted to get that day. And I went to sleep thinking about how many I needed the next day. It's exhausting. Yeah, I was just, I went through a lot of, like, self-esteem stuff. Like, I'm only doing this because no one else will buy this book. Like, no publisher, like, no traditional publisher. And I still kind of feel that way. I'm like, I'm such an imposter. Like, no one really wants to read this. They're just being nice. (laughs) (laughs) That goes back to what Jackie said. Like, selling 200 books is a big deal. Not even everybody who's traditionally published (laughs) sells 90 books in, or sells 200 books in 90 days or whatever. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I felt like the like the addiction to checking my email, like I would find myself just feeling crazy where I'd just be like, refresh, refresh, refresh. Have any have any orders come in, especially in those first couple days when, you know, you've sent out your list to, you know, your first email to everyone you know. And so I would just vacillate between imposter syndrome and entitlement, kind of like you you said, Becca, and that just became uh, emotionally exhausting. This time, I think I, I, knowing what to expect, I've been a little better about it, where if I've felt myself just feeling um, like I'm, you know, habitually checking my email or getting a little um, too much in my head, then I've forced myself to take a break for even a day or two, knowing that I can get back to, to it and extend it and, you know, just keep going steadily until I reach that goal. But it's really challenging. Uh, like y'all said, selling 200, that's great. I don't, I don't know 200 people that, that I'm sure of. Uh, I have a huge Twitter following, but you're screaming to the void with that one because most writers are broke. That's why we do this. Uh, so they're not, they're not buying a lot of books. And everybody on my Facebook page had just bought my first book. And I have to say, they everyone bought my first book. So I was really, really blessed on that. But then three months later i'm like hey by the way um i I do have another one and they're like i don't care some of them were polite about it some of them weren't um but then i I ran out of places to go and where do where do i advertise and how do i get more more people to see this to even know about it and it was it was torture to work on it i only had a couple hours a day and then other stuff had to be done so it was it was quite an adventure Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, and I, I, most of mine for the first book was through Twitter. I'd say about 400 out of the 750 was through Twitter. Right. But it was not through other authors. It was through uh, mostly political uh, people because of the um, theme of my book. Mm-hmm. But that, you know, 
it, it took a lot of work. And I feel like even just in three years, the attitude towards messaging people has changed a lot. <laughs> it's um, There's a little more um, negativity associated with, with messaging people on Twitter. Um, and so I haven't been doing that one as much. I know you sent me an email with your like detailed Twitter method, Jackie, and I tried it and had no no success on Twitter, but I applied it to LinkedIn and it worked there. I think you have to kind of find the like find the the fresh space, the, the mm-hmm. place where people are not bombarded by requests all the time, or find the hook. Like in your case, Jackie, yeah, knowing that people are super engaged in politics on Twitter. In my case, like I found more success with Facebook ads by putting the cover on and just a short blurb and targeting people who are interested Mm. in books near me. So I found like friends of friends that way. I found, I did also find people who are friends of friends of other writers from Sisters in Crime. I messaged like every single person in Sisters in Crime that I know. I my friend Hank Philippi Ryan, who is a multi-award winning writer from Boston. She's crazy. She's so busy, but she's the nicest person. She gave me a blog spot on her blog that everybody loves. And I got like 15 pre-orders from that too. And I got orders from like actual real published people. So I'm thinking, well, nice. they think it's good and maybe it's actually good. Who knows? So what did the ad, what did that look like, Carrie, when you were putting like ads on Facebook for your crowdfunding campaign? It was really brief. It was just a picture of the cover, a short blurb, like a, like a log line. And then I need to get to 250 or this book won't be published. Buy it now. (laughs) And I did get some emails from people at the very beginning saying, I bought the book. When do I get it? They, so they didn't understand the the crowdfunding part and I wrote I wrote them back and said well it's gonna be a few years but make sure you check out my inkshares page for updates and then I stopped updating I've got a I'm going as soon as the new draft is like work it being worked on I'm gonna do an update it just I've completely rewritten this thing three times if I can ask um how long did you run your your Facebook ad for I think I did it twice for seven days each. By that time, I was very close to finishing. So I was trying to just get those last orders in. Huh. I want to talk to you about that because I ran Facebook ads and they're a tricky thing. But it seemed like um, basically I would hit my threshold, my budget in a couple of hours. And I may have gotten one or two pre-orders from it, but I don't feel like it it reached the audience properly. So there's there's a lot of tweaking you can do on those things a lot of options that you can change so i might be interested in what you what you chose yeah definitely i it was now two years ago so it's hard to remember but i know i i was regionally focused Mm -hmm. and then friends of friends was really helpful because people sort of maybe Mm -hmm. knew who i was i do remember doing both of those and the cover like i made i made it very image focused Mm -hmm. not a lot of text Um, that is something that that might be helpful. Um, I noticed a difference. So in my first crowdfund, I mocked up an image uh, mostly because it was to help pay for things like that, like getting a cover design professionally as opposed to, um, you know, some dude in a back alley. 
and uh, pay for a couple other things with the production process. So I'm trying to get it up front. And the second time uh, with Dawn, we got the cover first. And it's gorgeous. Uh, anybody who's seen the End of Echoes uh, cover, if you haven't, look me up on Twitter, look at it. It's, it's a beautiful piece of work. Um, that made a difference. Letting them see what it's going to look like um, and get a taste for that final product made a huge difference, I think, in how, how quickly it took off and how interested people are. So if you're going to crowdfund, get your cover first. It really helps. And did any of you, I know that with the first campaign, I, I was really focused on like getting, um, you know, blog mentions and, and um, you know, doing interviews on people's websites. And I found that it was, you know, I think it helped a little bit. I'd get a few orders from each one, but I don't, I don't think that it was probably the best use of my time. What was everyone else's experience with that? Um, I didn't do anything on blogs, but I did get featured in a few newsletters that were helpful. So I come from a really small town in West Virginia, and that's where my book takes place. And I got my hometown newspaper to write up a story on me. Um, I also got mentions in the alumni newsletters of my college and grad school. So I think what I took away from that was not so much that like press helps, but that it helps to find your, so find a community that is big enough that it has a good number of supporters, but that is small enough where they really feel like they're supporting one of their own. So like my town of 6,000 people, if someone writes a book, people are going to get excited about it because they're feeling like their community is doing something. Whereas my town here in California, 70,000 people, someone writes a book, meh, <laughs> oh well. So, so focus on the communities that, I don't know, if like church groups or alumni groups, or um, it sounds like Sisters in Crime was great for Carrie. So things that are big enough to have supporters, but small enough to feel supportive. Are we all exhausted from talking about crowdfunding? I'm exhausted from doing crowdfunding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess I guess there's the question right there is how do you re-motivate yourself if you're in the middle of it um, or stay motivated or care for yourself and, and let yourself take breaks, even though there's a looming goal ahead? I just had to remember this is my dream. This is the dream. <laughs> like This is the one I've been going for forever. This is it. This is my time when I'm going to make it happen. And I can sleep when it's done. Um I would give myself small goals. So today I am not resting until I get 10 free orders today. I'm not resting until I've messaged these hundred people, whatever it is. So I give myself goals for the day and try to not focus as much on the big number, just, just on meeting that day's goals. Um, I think it's also important to remember how important it is to you when you're talking to people, because that's, what's going to sell it to them. If you're not, if you're kind of low energy, like we might be today, they're not going to get excited about buying your book, but if you're selling it to them as this is my dream and I need you to help me with it, then they're going to be more likely to to fork over that 10 bucks or whatever. So it'll right. energize your base and yourself to keep going. That's true. Mm -hmm. um, I think I did, a lot of it was looking back at the people who had already ordered. And I reminded myself that that's what I'm doing it for. Like these people already believe that this is going to be a great project and I may be tired, but there's fans. There are people who have said, I'm willing to, you know, throw some down in advance. I'm willing to say that I believe you're going to do a great product here without ever seeing it. And so I kind of owe it to them to see it through and to remember that 
I mean, that's, that's why, I mean, I could write mm -hmm. a book and read it myself and be done with it, but I'm doing this for other people. So I, I want to do the best I possibly can for the fans that I do have while I'm making new ones. I think that's a really good point, Jason, about just writing in general. There's so many days that I feel like I just want to quit, that my words don't have any meaning, that there's so many other people who can do it better, but there's something <laughs> about your work that made those people want it, and you've got to keep going to do it for them. That's right. And then the more cynical side of that, once you're in a certain amount, everyone's watching you. And <laughs> I didn't want to embarrass myself. <laughs> well, my I can tell you my reviews for my short story collection, that was a totally different way to get readers. I could probably do a whole podcast on that. Basically, the one of the library media outlets picked up my book that I had self-published. And it's not a novel. It's, it's a short story collection. But they distributed it to all the libraries in the country, essentially. And I have so many bad reviews. And it just makes me, like, I think about it constantly. I'm going, is this going to make my novel suffer? But I guess that's one thing, like you said, Becca, like, after you've already done it, you're like, oh, I'm done. No more negativity. You're like, nope, nope, there's more coming. But we should probably end this on a positive note. <laughs> so maybe we could go around and just talk about what we might want to relate to someone who's thinking of crowdfunding. Anyone want to kick us off? Um, be energetic and be prepared. It's, it is not a short or an easy method, mm -hmm. but I think it's paid off. Um, after I did the first one, I, was, I asked myself, do I ever want to do that again? And then less than 30 days later, uh, it was a resounding yes. Mm -hmm. it's, I'm, I'm going to do it. it. It fits with the, the indie mindset that we don't need huge corporations to handle this for us. We can do it ourselves. We can take the grassroots approach. And it's really, um, it bolsters your own belief in your work when you see how many people are willing to take a chance on you. And once you step outside of that comfort zone and, and ask, you get a lot more yeses than you think. So yeah. it's, it's a long process, but in the end, it's, it's totally worth it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd say that, you know, for all the self-doubt and imposter syndrome and, you know, the, my crowdfunding campaign was completely worth it. Um, you know, the book is widespread distribution. It just won an award. And so, yeah, it's just focus on the people that say yes. Um, there's going to be... You know, people that say no and people that don't answer you. There's going to be people that you were counting on to support you that that don't. Um, and there's going to be strangers that are incredibly excited and become your biggest cheerleaders. And so try to focus on them and, yeah, keep moving forward. But um, I th like like Jason said, I think it, it does really represent the indie spirit and that this is a product you're working on for your readers and for no one else. On that note, Jackie, it's... It's totally about the relationships. That's been the best part of this. I mean, yes, I'm, I felt like I was taking my dream, taking it into my own hands, making it happen. But the support that I got from people from the most unexpected places that were already in my life, and then the people I met, like the other authors that I met through this, I can't 
I mean, that's how writing block came about is people we all met through this crazy process. Um, And what that group, what the group of other people doing this, what the support of that group has done for my writing and my identity as a writer could not be understated. So it helps cannot be overstated. (laughs) Um, So yeah, you're going to get a book out of it, which is amazing. But you're also going to be surprised at like things you cannot even imagine can come out of this process. It's a transformative process in a way that it's kind of hard to explain. I'd have to agree with that. I, when I pulled the trigger on the campaign, I, I remember thinking to myself, it was my 36th birthday. Yeah, it was, it was my 36th birthday. And I said, I am doing this now. I'm like, I'm I just want to make sure that I'm doing something. If I'm waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting from publishers to let them be the gatekeepers and let them decide, I'm like, I can't do that. I'm, I'm gonna, I don't have that much time left. I know that sounds terrible because I'm still young, but it's going to go fast. I have little kids and I just, I don't want to be getting to the end of my life and being like, I never achieved my dream. So, but what I found from, meeting people through this process people I never thought I would know like I remember Becca seeing your profile and Jackie you yours too and I remember thinking these people will never be friends with me (laughs) and now I have friends so I'm it's like that's just really cool to me do we need to soften our profiles Carrie do we do we look really aggressive (laughs) no because I thought you okay it's like that whole high school thing like you know, where you're like, these people are so cool. They're, you know, they're cool. <laughs> Aw. Thanks, Karen. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. It's true. I'm not trying to butter you up. I'm really, like, honest to a fault person, so. Well, I totally get that, though. I remember looking at the people who had already funded their books, like, like Jackie, especially people who had gotten to 750 before me. And you, I mean, they definitely felt like celebrities, like crowdfunding legends. Yes, like, like, I'm like, that's amazing. I know sometimes you hear authors say, like, I feel an obligation to new authors to write blurbs for them because I had all this support from experienced authors. When I was just starting out, I feel similarly about new crowdfunding authors. So I feel this obligation to to pre-order books because I got all of the support from from other authors when I was doing it for the first time. Right. So I don't know if I'll feel that same way about blurbs. My heart is with baby crowdfunders. <laughs> yeah, and I don't, you know, and I think that's good to keep in mind too is that most people do want to help. Like I don't think I've ever said no if someone's asked me directly, you know, to support their crowdfunding effort or, you know, to honestly blurb their book. Jason, thanks for joining us. You want to tell people where to find where to find you online? Uh yeah. So you can usually find me on, on Twitter any time of day, three AM or three PM or you know, whatever. I'm always there. Um instead of writing, like we all are. So uh my handle is JS Gestalt. So that's my initials, Jason Sucks, uh, and the word Gestalt. Or you can follow Gestalt Media, which is my imprint. Um buy some stuff would be super uh interact with some of our authors um we try to keep everybody up to date on what's going on with that especially with the crowdfunding but also with uh the edits the new books coming out um new people that we're signing we got some really cool people coming up so i i'm interested are you are you able to give a quick pitch for your really exciting project that's coming out jason 
Oh my God. You want to see somebody get excited. So friend of mine, um, I'll try not to make it too sad. Everybody remembers the Virginia beach shooting. Uh, it happened in May. It was May 31st of this year. Um, friend of mine got in touch with me and he said that he knew that I was, uh, publishing and would I be interested in doing an anthology to support the victims of that? Uh, I said, absolutely. Uh, it's definitely something I would like to be on top of. Uh, so he told me, give me a few days. I know some people I'll get back to you. He got back to me. Those people are Lisa Morton, the president of the National Horror Writers Association, Richard Chismar, who you may remember wrote what Stephen King recently did, Wendy's Button Box, and none other than Mr. Neil Gaiman himself right. have donated to, to this anthology. So we have over 20 and counting of the best names in fiction today uh, have all very generously given their stories away to us. Uh, and that book will be coming out uh, in October. It's called Dark Tides. There will be a crowdfund for that to cover some of the setup and the advertising costs and things of that nature. Uh, so we can, talk, we can talk about that again if you want to, but um, follow Gestalt Media. Come find me on Twitter. I'll tell you anything you want to know about that. It's it's a very exciting book. That is so cool. I can't wait for that. Very cool. Right? <laughs> I, I may have screamed a little. I'm not going to lie. I tried to play it cool. Like I'd like you've been here before, but when I got the contract with the name at the bottom, I I I'll also would have girl. screamed. Yes. Well, congratulations. And thanks for doing that yeah, also. That's really Sounds good. Like a really good cause. Thank you. And it is 100%, 100% profits. Or we're not keeping a dime off of this. I'm not even paying myself for the work. Um, I'm doing the formatting and we have an editor. No one's getting paid for this. It's 100% charity. Any other parting words of wisdom? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So yeah, crowdfund. Be be friends with us. <laughs> be one of us. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Writing Block Podcast. Please view the podcast description for links relevant to the conversation. Our series will continue featuring interviews with authors and more detailed discussion aimed toward helping all indie authors navigate the difficult roads of the publishing industry. We hope you join us at our website, writingblock.com, where you can sign up for our newsletter, find a copy of our short story anthology, Escape, and read detailed articles about the indie author experience. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter by searching for Writing Block, no K. Thank you for listening, and happy writing.